0: Welcome back to the Core EM Podcast, core content for anyone, anywhere, and just in time. This is the official podcast of the NYU Bellevue EM Residency Program. This week, Gordon Wu, one of our PGY3 residents, gave a talk on penetrating chest trauma. Now, obviously, this is a rather large topic, but I thought we could hit some of the highlights. The traditional teaching in these patients is to start with a systematic approach focusing on the ABCs. Start with whether the patient has an airway, listen for breath sounds to determine whether the patient may need a chest tube, and then address circulation and perfusion. However, unless the injury involves the neck and there's an expanding hematoma or a tracheal injury, like we discussed a couple weeks back, the airway can often wait for a little bit. In fact, it's best to focus on circulation and resuscitate the patient before you proceed with intubation, since performing RSI in a hemodynamically unstable patient can quickly lead to the patient's demise. We've said it on the program many times before, and I'm sure you've heard it elsewhere, but when time allows, resuscitate before you intubate, and time usually does allow. This means getting blood infusing, activating your massive transfusion protocol immediately, and stemming any sources of bleeding you can. When assessing circulation, I often hear the recitation of correlation of pulse and specific blood pressures. Sometimes you can't obtain a reliable blood pressure with a cuff, but someone will say, oh, I feel a femoral pulse, so the pressure must be around 70 systolic. This is dogmatic teaching that's echoed in ACLS, but it's simply wrong. While it's true that a carotid pulse will persist at a lower pressure than a femoral pulse, and a femoral pulse will persist at a lower pressure than a radial pulse will, you can't correlate the presence of any of these pulses to a specific blood pressure. Instead, look for end organ perfusion. Is the patient mentating? Are they confused? What's the perfusion to the skin like? This is going to give you a better sense of whether the patient is in shock or not. Now that we've got that dogma out of the way, let's get back to assessing circulation and identifying causes for shock. We're going to be looking for overt external bleeding from the injury, but also we are going to use ultrasound to look for common sources of bleeding or causes of hemodynamic instability that we can fix. The ultrasound is part of your primary survey. The big three with the chest are going to be pericardial tamponade, tension pneumothorax, and hemothorax. When you start your ultrasound exam, start with the cardiac window first, and then look at the lungs. After that, move to the abdomen. The reason to go into this order is if you find a pericardial tamponade or a tension pneumo or a hemothorax, you're going to immediately address these. Yes, I want to know if there's blood in the belly, but only after I've eliminated these issues that I can actually do something about now. While this is going on, someone else should be prepping for and getting ready to control the airway. There are a few situations where the airway won't need to be controlled when there's a penetrating chest trauma, and it's better to do it in a controlled fashion when you can. You really don't want to be doing this in the CT scanner or on the way to the operating room. If the patient's relatively stable with a ton of pericardial fluid, which is pretty uncommon in a penetrating trauma, they're going to need to go to the operating room to have the chest open and the cardiac defect fixed. Nothing should really stop or slow that process. Eventually, that is going to kill the patient. If the patient's unstable, you may need to consider a thoracotomy to relieve the tamponade and fix the defect in the emergency department. Under some situations, trauma surgeons may elect to go for pericardiocentesis, relieve that pressure a little bit, and then go to the operating room. This is really going to be a bedside call with your trauma surgeon. It's going to depend on their comfort level and what they like to do. Obviously, if you find the effusion and the patient codes, the chest is going to need to be opened right away. If the cardiac window isn't remarkable, you're going to move on to the lungs. Your ultrasound is going to give you a better lung evaluation than listening for breath sounds in a noisy trauma room. If you see the absence of lung sliding after penetrating trauma and the patient's unstable, a finger thoracostomy followed by placement of a chest tube is indicated. This is another quick and potentially life-saving intervention if the patient's got a tension pneumo. There are false positives on lung ultrasound, large blebs, catching the diaphragm with your ultrasound beam, and so on. If you aren't sure and the patient isn't crashing, it's not unreasonable to wait for the chest x-ray. Now, on the other extreme, there are a number of people who do more trauma than I do who will say, if the patient's unstable and they've got a chest wound, don't bother with the ultrasound. Just do finger thoracostomies bilaterally and put in chest tubes since the potential benefit outweighs the harm. By doing this, you've taken both chests out of the picture. You don't have to worry about those regions anymore. If it's just a pneumothorax, no big deal. You pop in the tube and you're done. What about the hemoneumo or just hemothorax? The amount of output is going to determine the clinical course. If you get more than 1,500 cc's of blood out immediately, the patient's going to go to the operating room. This is the classic teaching in ATLS. If the patient has less than 1,500 out initially but continues to bleed more than 200 cc's per hour over the next couple hours, they're also going to head to the OR as it's very likely they've got an injury that needs surgical repair. We mentioned thoracotomy before, but let's talk about indications for it. In the penetrating chest wound, if the patient is in extreme shock, but there are still signs of life, you're gonna wanna open the chest. If the patient has no signs of life, but recently did, i.e. they arrested en route to the ED, you should strongly consider opening the chest and looking for something that can quickly be fixed. The patient who is periarrest, meaning they are extremely shocked with substantial intravascular loss but still have cardiac activity or a thready carotid pulse, are the ones who are most likely to benefit from resuscitative thoracotomy if done rapidly. Any delay decreases the rate of a good outcome. There are two main approaches to thoracotomy. There's the do a left-sided thoracotomy first and then extend to the right side if you need to, and then there's the clamshell, where you basically open both sides simultaneously. The benefit of doing the clamshell for every patient is you get better exposure and you can see the right chest. If you just open the left chest, the right chest is still a black box. You're going to have to put a chest tube in that side and then decide whether you want to expand the incision across to that side. Doing the clamshell just kind of takes that out of play. Now, regardless of approach, one thing that can be helpful is for your airway operator to put the tube into the right main stem so that the left lung collapses out of your way. Once you open the chest, find the pericardium and open it. Evacuate any blood and deliver the heart looking for a cardiac wound. If there's a wound, plug it or fix it. If not, start internal compressions and then move on to cross-clamping the aorta. A full discussion of resuscitative thoracotomy and the process of doing it is a bit beyond this podcast, but I dropped a video to the procedure in the show notes, and there are a couple of really good MRAP segments with Kenji Anaba and Chris Hicks on this topic, and I linked those in the show notes as well. So there's a brief primer to penetrating trauma, but definitely not an exhaustive one. Check out the links in the show notes for more information on the topic. Before we go, let's wrap up with some take-home points. Number one, don't rush to the airway. In most situations, you have some time to resuscitate before you intubate. Give blood products and get the BP up a bit to give yourself a little better physiologic situation in which to intubate. Number two, start your massive transfusion protocol immediately if the patient is shocked. There's always a delay in getting products, but the earlier you start, the shorter the delay. Number three, include ultrasound in your primary survey. Your eFast should start with a cardiac window, then go to the lungs, and then finally the abdomen. This order focuses on finding pathology that you can fix immediately. And finally, number four, if the patient is shocked and peri-arrest or recently lost vitals, open the chest and look for a fixable injury. Start with opening the pericardium to relieve tamponade, identify and repair cardiac wounds, and then move on to cross-clamping the aorta. Well, that's all for the Core EM podcast this week. Come on over and check out the site at coreem.net. We've got a ton of great core content emergency medicine. We'll have a core post up on Wednesday and a journal update up on Thursday. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page, follow us on Google Plus and on Reddit, and on Twitter, where our handle is at core underscore EM. Oh, and by the way, if you're enjoying the podcast, go over to iTunes and give us a rating. If you're not enjoying the podcast, go over to iTunes and give us a rating and give us some feedback of what you'd like to see us do better. All right, that's it. Thanks, and see you all next week.